Good morning. Welcome to our 10 o'clock service here at Calvary Baptist Church. We are grateful for your online uh, worship with us, your online um, study with us as we continue to go through the 1689 Second London Baptist Confession of Faith. This morning we will uh, be in chapter 6 of the Confession and section 3. By God's appointment, they, Adam and Eve, were the root and the representatives of the whole human race. Because of this, the guilt of their sin was accounted and their corrupt nature passed on to all their offspring who descended from them by ordinary procreation. Their descendants are now conceived in sin and are by nature children of wrath, the servants of sin, and partakers of death in all other miseries, spiritual, temporal, and eternal, unless the Lord Jesus sets them free. This morning we will conclude our study of chapter 6 in the Baptist Confession with an examination of the doctrine of federal headship. So far in chapter 6, we have studied total depravity, original sin, and now we cover federal headship. And of these three doctrines, federal headship is probably the least popular. Of uh, the church as a whole, uh, total depravity and original sin is probably more well-known than federal headship, but it's the doctrine that's probably the most important because federal headship answers the question, who is my representative? Who is your representative? The Bible only puts forward two representatives. The first representative is Adam. Uh, He's the first man whom God created Uh, In Genesis chapters 1, 2, and 3, God created Adam. He placed him in the garden. Um, uh, He created Eve, his wife. And from those two, with Adam as the head, the authority in that marriage, from those two came the entire human race. Because we're all born according to ordinary procreation. We're all born according to ordinary generation. The other headship is the Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, Jesus uh, is only a possible representative, though. And let me clarify that. All humans are in Adam. We all come from ordinary procreation. We all come from ordinary a generation. But in order to have Christ as your representative, you need to be born a different way. And the Bible says that those who are born again, they're born of the Spirit, in the same way that the Son of God's human nature was born. We have to be born that way. The human nature of Christ was born of the Holy Spirit. We need to be born of the Holy Spirit. So those who are born again, those who have faith in Christ, 
have Christ as their representative. So since the entire human race is not saved, Jesus is not their representative. Only the elect, only those whom have faith in Christ have Christ as their representative. I hope that makes sense. So let's begin this morning by discussing Adam's federal headship. If we want to change anything, or if we want to have any kind of change at the deepest level in our lives, we must first lose the identity that we have in Adam. Well, what's wrong with being identified with Adam? On a spiritual and physical level, Adam is identified with sin and death. The scripture says in Romans chapter 5, sin and death came into the world through Adam and sin and death spread to all men. We don't become sinners when we commit our first sin. We enter the world. We are created as sinners. We're born sinners. We're born members of fallen humanity. And so that's our identity. At conception, we're sinners, we're fallen, we're corrupted, we have Adam's judgment and guilt, his original sin, his condemnation, all that is inherited from Adam. So our identity... It's not good. It's not anything to be excited about. It is not anything to be proud of. In fact, uh, when we realize what our identity is, it should cause us to repent. Federal headship describes our identity. Those who are identified with Adam Sin and death. Paul tells us in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 22, in Adam all die. It's our great crisis, man. I don't want to come across as being insensitive, but the world tries to explain death as being a natural part of life. It's not. Death did not come about naturally. And we see the unnaturalness of death in the, in the death of infants. There isn't anything that's more tragic than when an infant dies. But that's the tragedy of Adam's fall. And having his identity that even infants who have never sinned, they die in the womb because in Genesis chapter 3, when Adam fell, when he sinned, even those infants were in him because they're born 
by ordinary procreation or ordinary generation. So Adam's sin affects everyone. And their identity with Adam is a reason why even infants die. That's the reason why they die. According to scripture, it was God's will for the entire human race to be seminally in Adam. Since the entire human race was in Adam, he is a common father of us all. When Adam performed any works of obedience, any acts of obedience, he was acting on his and our behalf. And when Adam performed any acts of disobedience, he was acting on his and our behalf. He was our covenant head. And through him, the Lord was pleased to either apply the blessings or the curses depending on his obedience or disobedience to his offspring. And I'll be honest, if, if you think that's weird, if you think, you know, that right there is strange, then you're not familiar with the scripture. I, I'll be honest with you. And, and, and my advice for you is to get involved in a confessional church. A reformed confessional church, preferably Baptist church, of course. Because if you don't, if you think this is strange, that God would apply the blessings and the curses upon descendants based on the descendants' covenant head, his obedience or disobedience, you think that's strange? Then, then you're not familiar with the scripture. Remember Genesis chapter 9? The Lord makes a covenant with Noah. The scripture says in verses 8 through 11, Genesis 9, 8 through 11, Then God said to Noah and to his sons with him, Behold, I establish my covenant with you and your offspring after you, and with every living creature that is with you, the birds, the livestock, and every beast of the earth with you, as many as came out of the dark, out of the ark. It is for every beast of the earth. I establish my covenant with you that never again shall all flesh be cut off by the waters of the flood. Never again shall there be a flood to destroy the earth. We see with Noah, God making a covenant with one man and the blessings or curses not only fall on that one man, but every single creature that he also represents. And in this case, Noah represented all of mankind, including the animals. That because of Noah, God promised that he would never destroy the earth by a flood again. Genesis chapter 17. 
The Lord says to Abraham, Behold, my covenant is with you, and you shall be the father of a multitude of nations. No longer shall your name be called Abram, but your name shall be Abraham, for I have made you a father of a multitude of nations. I will make you exceedingly fruitful, and I will make you into nations, and kings shall come from you, and I will establish my covenant between me and you, and your offspring after you throughout their generations for an everlasting covenant, to be God to you and to your offspring after you, and I will give to you and to your offspring after you the land of your sojourning, all the land of Canaan for an everlasting possession, and I will be their God. Again, God makes a covenant with Abraham, one man, and the blessings and the curses of that covenant are applied to him and his descendants. They're not even alive yet. Abraham hasn't even had a son yet. And God says, the people that are in your seed, in your offspring, I will also bless and curse. Exodus chapter 19. The Lord did the same thing with Moses and the people of Israel. The people of Israel agreed to the covenant. And God says, if you obey me, the blessings of the covenant would be upon your offspring. If you disobey me, if you break my covenant, the curses of the covenant will be on your offspring. 2 Samuel chapter 7, the Lord's covenant with David. The Lord said to him, when your days are fulfilled and you lie down with your fathers, I will raise up your offspring after you who shall come from your body and I will establish his kingdom. His offspring's not even alive yet. He shall build a house for my name and I will establish the throne of his kingdom forever. I will be to him a father and he shall be to me a son. When he commits iniquity, I will discipline him with the rod of men, with the stripes of the sons of men, but my steadfast love will not depart from him as I took it from Saul, whom I put away from before you. And your house and your kingdom shall be made sure forever before me. Your throne shall be established forever. Covenant headship. This, this seems strange to us, right? That, that God would establish a covenant with one person and the blessings and curses of that covenant will fall upon his descendants who weren't even alive at the time of the covenant. We think that's strange because we live in an individualistic culture. Not many people embrace the concept that a group of people can be held responsible for the actions of one man. But in our culture, in our society, we often experience it, right? We deny that the actions of one man can, can cause a, a ripple effect throughout the community of people, but that's exactly what we experience. Oftentimes in a community, 
a community is either built up or it's destroyed because of the actions of one man. And this is what the Bible teaches. On behalf of one man, that man is Adam, we have inherited sin, disobedience, corruption, judgment, and condemnation. This is what it means for Adam to be our federal head. That God created Adam, and when he created him in the likeness of human flesh, all those who would have the same flesh were represented by him. That's Adam's headship. And you know what's so beautiful about Adam's headship? It proves that he was actually a human. Federal headship proves the historicity of Adam. What I mean by that is, how, how can we explain the existence of sin and death apart from Adam being real? Right? If Adam wasn't a real man, if he wasn't a real human, then sin and death did not spread to the entire human race. Sin does not exist in the world. And so if Adam doesn't exist, the fall doesn't happen, how do we explain the reality of those two catastrophic events, sin and death? Without Adam, how does evil enter the world? What's your answer? Evolution doesn't explain it. Evolving from stardust, that doesn't explain it. Adam's federal headship perfectly explains why sin, death, evil all have entered the world. Why all creatures experience death. Why the entire human race experiences sin and evil. The punishment for sin is so terrifying, but yet very real. The act that brought sin and the punishment must be as equally terrifying and equally real. Has to be. If sin and death are both terrifying and real, then the act that brought them has to be just as equally real and terrifying. Therefore, Adam had to be a real man. Also, note that the confession says that Adam's sin and judgment was passed on from those who descended from him by ordinary procreation, or what I would like to refer to as ordinary generation. Adam's sin and the judgment for his sin, death, only fell on those who 
came from him by ordinary procreation, meaning mom and dad or man and woman. That means Jesus and the angels are exempt from Adam's sin and judgment because neither Jesus nor the angels uh, came into the world through ordinary procreation. Jesus came into the world through the virgin birth. And, and this is important. You have to, I'm, I'm, I'm going to try to explain this as best as I can, but it's, it's really hard to explain. The virgin birth, right? I mean, uh, centuries ago, um, the, a, a, a book on the incarnation was written by an early church father, Athanasius. It's deep, right? So I'm going to try to explain this as best as I can. The virgin birth of Christ is the answer to why Jesus did not inherit Adam's sin and judgment, right? Jesus was born not of ordinary procreation, but of supernatural generation. If he was have been born through ordinary generation, then he would have been born a sinner. He would have been born with the judgment of God hanging over him. Adam's sin and condemnation would have been inherited by him at his birth, but he wasn't born from ordinary generation. Jesus was born of supernatural generation. Of course, we're referring to the power of the Holy Spirit. The virgin birth is a picture of why and how the Son of God took upon human flesh and remained the spotless Lamb of God. Because if the Holy Spirit did not create, and listen to me now, if the Holy Spirit did not create the human nature, but the human nature of Christ came from ordinary procreation, Joseph and Mary procreating. If that would have happened, Jesus would have been born a sinner. He would have been under the Adam headship. But Jesus' human nature was created by the Holy Spirit. It was a supernatural work. And remember, Jesus' human nature, his divine nature is uncreated. He was eternally begotten of the Father. He has no beginning. But the human nature, the human nature along with the human body were both supernaturally created by the Holy Spirit in the womb of the Virgin Mary. Listen to what Hebrews chapter 10 verse 5 says. Consequently, when Christ came into the world, he said, Sacrifices and offerings you have not desired but a body you have prepared for me. And burnt offerings and sin offerings you have taken no pleasure. Then I said, Behold, I have come to do your will, O God, as it is written of me in the scroll of the book. 
Jesus was not born by ordinary generation, but through a supernatural birth. The Holy Spirit created the human body, the human nature, the human will of Jesus in the womb of the Virgin Mary. And that's what's so special about the virgin birth. And that's what separates the person of the Lord Jesus Christ from all other men. All other men are born according to ordinary generation. We're all under Adam. He is our representative except for Christ because of the way he was born. Since the Lord was born in a supernatural way, his headship is also supernatural. Listen to what Paul says in Romans chapter 5, verse 15. But the free gift is not like the trespass. Meaning Jesus' grace is not like Adam's sin. For if many died through one man's trespass, much more have the grace of God and the free gift by the grace of that one man, Christ Jesus, abounded for many. And the free gift is not like the result of that one man's sin. For the judgment following one trespass brought condemnation, but the free gift following many trespasses brought justification. For if, because of one man's trespass, death reigned through that one man, much more will those who receive the abundance of grace and the free gift of righteousness reign in life through the one man, Jesus Christ. And so the Apostle Paul distinguishes between the headship of Adam and the headship of Christ. How is the headship of Christ different than the headship of Adam? Well, first, we have to figure out why Jesus is called the second or last Adam. Uh, Jesus is called the second or last Adam in 1 Corinthians chapter 15. Um, the Apostle Paul says uh, in 1545 of 1 Corinthians, thus it is written, the first man, Adam, became a living being. The last Adam became a life-giving life spirit. But it is not the spiritual that is first, but the natural and then the spiritual. The first man was from the earth, a man of dust. The second man is from heaven, as was the man of dust. So also are those who are of the dust, as is the man of heaven. So also are those who are of heaven. Just as we have borne the image of the man of dust, we shall also bear the image of the man of heaven. So the term second or last Adam is biblical. But what does it mean that Jesus is the second or last Adam? First, it means that he is the antithesis of the first Adam. That's what it means. Number one, Jesus is the antithesis of the first Adam. Everything that the first Adam did and the result of what he did, Jesus reverses that. Adam was disobedient. Well, let's first begin. Adam was made in the likeness of human flesh. Jesus came in the likeness of human flesh. Adam was given the law of God to obey. 
Jesus was given the law of God to obey. Adam disobeyed the law of God. Jesus obeyed it. Adam, because of disobedience, brought down curses, guilt, and condemnation upon him and all those who are like him. Christ brings life and righteousness to all those who are born again. That's what it means by antithesis. Jesus' headship is the antithesis of the first Adam. And that's why he's called the second or the last Adam. Jesus also succeeds where Adam failed. Where did Adam fail? Well, we briefly mentioned it. Adam failed in rendering perfect obedience to God. We all know Jesus obeyed the law of God perfectly. And we see Jesus' obedience emphasized several times in the Gospels. The most popular is the time where Jesus was led into the wilderness to be tempted by Satan. Both the first Adam and the last Adam were tempted by Satan. Remember who tempted Adam in the Garden of Eden? It was a serpent, Satan. Who tempted Jesus in the wilderness? The serpent, Satan. But unlike the first Adam, the second Adam, the Lord Jesus Christ, did not sin against God. But instead, he perfectly obeyed God. So Jesus succeeds where Adam failed. Remember, because of Adam's disobedience, Adam brought upon the curses and, and, and condemnation upon him and all those who he represents. We experience that same condemnation because of Adam. Well, the same thing is said of the second Adam. All those who are in Christ, like we were in Adam, we inherit Christ's righteousness on account of his obedience. We inherited Adam's sin and death on account of his disobedience, but we inherit Christ's righteousness on account of his obedience. And notice... The people who are in Christ are born the same way, rather reborn. Jesus was born through a supernatural work of the Holy Spirit. All those who are in Christ are born again by the supernatural work of the Holy Spirit. So we are born, if we're saved, if we have faith in Christ and repent of our sins and trust in Christ, we are born according, we are born again according to supernatural regeneration. So those are the big differences between Adam's headship and Christ's headship. The entire human race was in Adam when he was in the garden. Because of Adam's sin, all those who are in Adam and are born according to ordinary generation receive his sin and receive his guilt. God curses the many because of the one. And on the other hand, all those who are born again according to supernatural generation, born of the Holy Spirit, who are in Christ, we receive 
Christ's righteousness and life. The curses are reversed in Christ. No longer do we have sin and death. We have life and righteousness. So God blesses the many on account of the one. And that's federal headship. I mentioned last week, briefly, in our study of original sin, you be careful in rejecting these doctrines because there are consequences, right? If, if, you, if you say, you know what, it's not fair that, that God would curse me or that I would be cursed because of another man's sin, if that's unfair, then you being blessed by Christ's obedience is unfair too. Because in the same way that Adam's sin is transferred to you, Christ's righteousness is imputed to you. So if you get rid of the one, you have to get rid of the other. Because the only way the other is available is because of the first one. So be careful. Uh, if you have any questions um, regarding uh, total depravity, original sin, federal headship, please email me. Uh, my email address is stephen.azara, A-Z-Z-A-R-A, 42 at gmail.com. stephen.azara42 at gmail.com. And I would love to answer your questions. Thank you for being with us. Uh, this week. Next week, we begin chapter 7. Uh, we'll have a, a discussion and study of God's covenant. Uh, thank you for being here. Uh, we'll see you again next week.